it is. Oh, it's my favorite time of the week, wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in. This is DLC, your downloadable conversation for the week. Hey, are you one of our geeks and sneaks? Are you powering through a workout using this to fuel you, get you motivated? We're going to be with you for 90 plus minutes of gaming talk. In your ear holes, pushing you through your workout. We're right there with you. DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be. And that's completely free thanks to our sponsors this week. Harry's and Squarespace. Squarespace! They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course... The show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. And also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who is ready for some football this week, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, and thanks to everyone that came to the live panel in Seattle and, and came out to shows when I was at the Underground and then... Uh, the people that came out in Austin that said hi as well. It was uh, it's always really really cool. Like if you ever come to a show, please say hi afterwards. It's <laughs> don't feel bad about doing that. It was really great um, talking to people, and I'm ready to be back in in LA and return to some normalcy because um, games, y'all. You know it's what I mean? It's time for games, man. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We had a we had a great turnout for the panel at PAX. Thanks to everybody that said hi there, and uh, man, it was a blast doing our first live DLC with Garnet and Andrea. Uh, some good feedback for that episode as well. Thanks to everybody. And uh, and this episode, obviously, uh, is coming out a little late because of Labor Day weekend. But we are back. It's happening. We're going to be back at that Monday time slot, 11 a.m. if you want to listen live, uh, Pacific time. Uh, and, yeah, we're, we're cruising right into the meat of the year for g- video game releases. We're going to have bam, 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 big releases, including lots to talk about this week, including MGS5 and, and more in the uh, playlist segment. But we can't start... Without uh, talking about our awesome guest who is here, um, you know, people always ask me, what does DLC stand for? And I always have to tell them, it's your downloadable Kanata, it's your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, it's special because, once again, DLC stands for diatribes, links, and columns, because we have writer and editor at GameRant.com, our multi-time returning champ, friend of the show, Mr. Anthony Taormina. Welcome back, Anthony. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I'm happy to be here. Happy to come in at the clutch late night. And I'll do the plug for him because yeah. he won't. If you haven't been, Game Rant just uh, launched, and it's all pretty. I, uh, it I, is all pretty. I was always a fan of some of the content on the site, but woof. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. <laughs> they they have they did a, a relaunch, what, a week ago, Anthony, something like that? Yeah, a week ago we, we redesigned the entire site, trying to go a little more modern, uh, more space, more focus on the, the text itself. It looks real nice, so... Uh, everybody visit bookmark. Yeah, be nice. I mean, the content's gone downhill, right but the uh... content's gone downhill. <laughs> but the look, you know, the inside of the Ferrari is is bad, but the outside so good. <laughs> Next year you'll get both good, but right now it's one or the other. Yep. <laughs> exactly, it right. does look great. Yeah, man, you guys should check out Game Rant. Uh, it it uh, it's a great site for news. And speaking of news, we got to start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. Not a ton of news this week. We got uh, much more meaty stuff to talk about in the playlist. But Anthony, as our guest, you get first pick. What, What would you consider to be your story of the week this week? 
I mean, so I, a- I added to the story, Doc, the Destiny story about Marty O'Donnell, but I can't, if if I had to be honest as, you know, step outside of my Destiny fanboyness, I would have to say the Apple TV uh, focusing on gaming, the the announcement mm-hmm. uh, this Wednesday, I guess a day from potentially when you're listening to this, that Apple is going to announce a new version of the Apple TV, and it is going to be some. It's going to have some focus on gaming. It might have a controller. It you know it'll it'll incorporate the gaming portion of Apple's App Store. Um, I think that's it's a console, right? Yeah, it's basically it, a console. Yeah, it's it's uh you know apple's foray into gaming their first foray into gaming in terms of like going after that same like amazon fire hd type market yeah yeah quake in your boots ooh yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. if you're Are listening they... to this after they if you're listening to this like wednesday afternoon and we got everything wrong you know what Deal with it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's we're in that situation where most of the people who are listening to this are probably listening to it after all the information that comes out comes out. But usually the reason that I thought we should talk about it now is that usually these rumors are fairly accurate at this point. Apple uh, Apple rumor sites are pretty good at nailing it down. There's very few surprises. And, you know, if we get things wrong, then we have stuff to talk about next week. But, <laughs> but I think you're right, Anthony. This is a big, big deal. I mean – if Apple TV is a big part of the the presentation that happens this Wednesday, the 9th, and uh, if Apple TV, as all indications seem to seem to say, are is going to be uh, something that delivers apps, you know, people have been wanting apps on Apple TV, and uh, apps in this situation are probably going to be a lot of games, a lot of game focus. There is evidence, more evidence than just the rumor sites to that effect, because we have this new Apple Twitter feed that is a uh, Apple Store Games Twitter feed running is being run by Apple game editors and is kind of highlighting games on uh, on the Apple Store on the App Store in iTunes uh, as a way to sort of make gaming more prominent. I think that's kind of a pointing toward gaming being taken more seriously by Apple. Uh, what is your take? Are you, are you excited about something like this? I mean, we've certainly seen, we joked, you know, we've seen Fire TV, we've seen Ouya try to live in this space of mobile games on your home television. Is that something that you're still excited about? Uh, I, it's something that it depends on who they can entice. If they can do similar to what Amazon did and get some of those names of people who have talent, um, that maybe can come underneath the Apple branch and develop games exclusively for Apple TV or or the App Store for use with a controller. I think that might get me somewhat excited. But as somebody who, you know, just probably like the rest of you, spent the last week putting 40, 50 hours into Metal Gear, the thought of put playing, you know, an Apple TV game versus something that's like AAA isn't ne- necessarily as appealing. Um mm-hmm. It, it, I can see the appeal for a lot of people. It just I don't I don't think it will personally be for me. But I'm curious. Yeah, well, I mean, if if it's the kind of thing where uh, young people who are used to playing games on their mobile device can can have this seamless kind of gaming experience where they take you know take their iPod Touch or their iPhone or their iPad out with them and they're gaming on that, and then they come home and the game picks right up where it left off on their home television. That's kind of cool. That's kind of a cool idea. Uh, Christian, what's, what's your take on Apple TV? You know, I mean, I think a, a, a shakeup of it is in order because just this past month or whatever, the you know Business Insider and places like that were reporting that 
Apple streaming on Apple TV. This is you know streaming media TV and movies and stuff like that was fourth place behind Roku, Google, and then Amazon Fire has usurped Apple TV as a third place spot. So Apple has long said that Apple TV was a hobby product, but I think they're kind of looking at that and they're like, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> I think what you said, Jeff, and what Apple currently calls handoff, I believe, where you you know. A message, your text can go from your phone right onto your computer or the Safari page, which is their web browser, can go right from your phone to your computer and vice versa and send things to your maps. is really cool. I don't know how many people actively use it except for tech enthusiasts or geeks or someone on the forefront. I know just from anecdotal experience with like my wife and my extended family and friends, a lot of people don't do those things that I think are very cool and make my life easier. And I think gaming the way it's developed on iOS, and I know there are deeper, cooler games for for handhelds, of course, I mean, for uh, phones and tablets and stuff like that, but most of them I would consider um, waiting in line or doctor's office kill time kind of things, and I don't know if you get home and you're like, ooh, finally home. Now I am going to finish that level of Angry Birds, and you're going to turn on your TV because there's stuff, unless you're in, like, the Bill Gates house, right, where he walks into a room and the color, the, the light changes and paintings rearrange and this, that, and the other. If it's not that seamless, I don't know if people, where the games currently are on, on iOS, are the type that make you want to sit down on your couch to play them. That said, I think what Anthony hit on is is the biggest factor and why I think Apple Music can come out swinging against Spotify and, and radio and stuff like that is... Apple has the cash to throw exclusives. You know, Amazon is apparently building or developing a AAA game, and if Apple throws a lot of money at Act Up in Unreal or Activision or um, Unreal, what's the gosh? Uh, come on, the company behind Unreal, Epic. Epic, thank you. Uh, and like build something native for this device that's a must-play. Then of course that's a that's a game changer. But I don't think um, Angry Birds or Hearthstone or whatever is going to be the the, the tide change in this Jeff where do, I mean where do you come down I know that you do game on your phone and stuff like that but are, are, does it excite you or no not really uh, I mean I think it's interesting you know you know three four years ago when you and I were doing weekend confirmed we, we kept the, we kept talking endlessly about how mobile was edging out video gaming and that all the young people's attention was taken up by mobile and that's what they were used to and touch is what they were used to and and the future of games was mobile and i think that with the massive success of the next gen consoles the the current gen consoles i don't think people are saying that anymore i don't think that that's the the trend you know that there are these games that are that are doing very very well and these consoles have sold much better than anybody predicted in their first few years um i think i don't think that the the sort of ouya and Fire TV-ification of, of gaming is really happening, as we saw with Ouya kind of not really doing well. It was a, this max, massive you know, Kickstarter success, but it didn't really catch on in any real way. And I would argue neither has Fire TV. You know, I, I think these for are gaming, niche cases. Yeah. Now, if any company can make that happen, it's Apple, that's for sure. Uh, but I'm not entirely certain. You know, it, it doesn't – they're not positioning it like, hey, this is a new console, this is a new gaming platform – uh, I think that it is really more about adding functionality to what is really primarily a TV delivery device, uh, a TV channel device, uh, a device that allows you to watch iTunes programming on your television, stream stuff from your mobile devices. 
And I think just adding apps to it and allowing you to play games on it is just sort of making it broader, mm-hmm. a broader device, not and not really its primary function. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see on Wednesday how they message it. Uh, I could be completely wrong on that on that case, but you know it, it's an inexpensive device, so it's not going to be competing power wise with the you know the the PS4 or the Xbox One, and uh, you know I, I don't think it's going to make a dent in in the market as far as being a big competitor to those to those devices, but I think it could be another example of how people get introduced to, to games that maybe mm-hmm. people that buy this thing because it allows them to watch movies easily and stream video easily now have ways to play Bejeweled on their television or get into games that are designed specifically for this, you know, bigger screen experience and are sort of a more of a gateway drug into gaming as we on this show are more used to, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it can, it can, it, it, it has the possibility to continue to do, I think I've talked about it early on in this show with what the term gamer is. You know, I've been flying. I've been all over the place for the, the last month. And it's, you know, funny to see me on the plane, a gamer, and I'll have my 3DS or my Vita and I'm playing whatever I'm playing. But, I mean, the business man or woman on the flight is, quote, unquote, gaming way harder than I am. You know, like yeah. I, I beat uh, uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns and um, got through Streets of Rage 3D a couple of times on this trip. But, I mean, I see guys with power bricks plugging in their phone because they're going to town on Candy Crush or whatever their game is, right? And it's like, and none of them would ever consider themselves gamers. And I'm like, dude, you're huddled you're huddled up next to the wall in the terminal so you can have your phone plugged in so you can do one more flick of an Angry Bird. Like, you got it bad, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so we're we're in this unique position of recording this show, you know, a matter of hours before the future, actual announcement. Future, future, yeah. Future. So let's uh let's dig ourselves deeper. Uh, <laughs> Anthony, if if you could wish for anything uh for this to actually turn out as anything as a gamer, what what would you most want to see the new Apple TV game functionality be? Um I would like to see the functional i would have to it, it maybe something that involves the you you know like interacting w- one thing that i really like uh there's a game the jackbox party pack and i don't know if you guys have messed around with that but it uses your I phone i've heard about this people you keep use recommending your phone it to me <laughs> as a controller and then you interact with stuff on the tv so i think maybe some sort of functionality that takes away the controller yes it's going to have a controller but them diving deep into this idea of using the Apple TV as the hub to create experiences. And then everybody who, if you bought an Apple TV, chances are you have an iPhone or you have an iPad or something, or you have an extra, um, and, and incorporating more interactive experiences that are less, cause they aren't going to get hardcore stuff anyway. So trivia games or real simple platformers, stuff like that, where four people like a family can sit around the couch they can interact with different touch devices, an iPod Touch or something, and play with the game. I think that would be their killer way of selling it. Because I do think, like the Jackbox Party Pack, when we get together, um, me and my friends, and play, and we all have our, our touch devices and we're interacting with the screen, it's something 
very unique and it's a lot of fun and so i think if they could touch upon that and build off their own apple ecosystem that would be cool it would be interesting if they they did some sort of wii u-esque all of the apple devices in your home will all work together and create this you know massive thing with the apple tv so that you know my ipod and my ipad and my iphone can all be controllers or can all be peripherals for this game or I'm on my iPad, you know, looking at one screen while you guys are all looking at the television screen. Um, you know, very Wii U-esque, but that could be cool. Christian, you have a, you have a quick um, vision of what – I mean, you want this thing to have like a, like a Xbox or PlayStation-type controller? Is that your hope? No, I think a third-party one will be released, but I think where this thing is in its wheelhouse is if you have it in your bedroom and you're, you know, zoning off to sleep and you're tired of reading Narcos, even though it's a great – show you're like oh i can't read anymore um and you switch over to pac-man 256 and you just play a few levels before you zone off and go to sleep or like anthony or you were saying jeff you know those kind of party games pac-man versus um four swords like those types of things that nintendo was trying to do before because like anthony said you're probably already bought into the ecosystem could or space team uh space team space cadet space team right like that type of party that type of party game could be really good for this. But I'm excited about it because why not? Another, you know, uh, new challenger has arrived, and maybe it's uh, Ken because he wasn't in Street Fighter 1. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, Christian, what's your uh, what's your story of the week? Oh, man. I mean, I, I hate to bring it up because I don't want to poo-poo them. Um, Pikmin 4 is close to completion. Well, there's no reason to poo-poo people for that story. That sounds like a real positive story, but Christian. For what? So, one. Uh, Everybody loves a Pikmin. This is why people think that I'm more negative than you, Jeff. But you just you spin negativity better than I. I need to take a mark for marketing class on how to be. Um, I feel like this is a story that came out on a slow news week, and, and uh, it's like, hey, this is close to being done. And, but, like, what does that mean in Nintendo speak? Because um, where's Zelda? What system is this for? You're not talking about the console. We have Pikmin Four close well, to being done. Let's let's just let's let's be clear as to what happened. So, an interview <laughs> in July with uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, yeah. and he is quoted as saying, uh, "Pikmin Four is actually very close to completion." He says, "Pikmin teams are always working on the next one, except for that like 15 years <laughs> when no one was working on the one that just came out." I don't know. Weird. Uh, weird thing to say, but uh, so very close to completion is what he said for Pikmin 4. No other information was given. This this interview, uh, again, was in July, but he didn't say, as you mentioned, he did not say which system it was for, if it was a Wii U game or uh, whatever right. this NX is going to be called game. And, like, this interview is uh, just, is, like, making the rounds hot now. Like, it's an old interview, you know, but no one felt like talking about it then, and now I think people are slow newsweeking it. I don't know, but it's interesting because yeah. it's, I think it's a great franchise. I think... Pikmin 3 was a little underwhelming for me personally, but Pikmin 1 um, was such a magical experience. It was something new and fresh and unique. And if, you know, Nintendo has something with the NX that can showcase something new and cool and and Pikmin is a launch game or something like that, I think that could be really cool. I I don't think I'm looking forward... the experience I want isn't just Pikmin 4. I'm, I'm past wanting more of the same in terms of Pikmin, but... I um, mean, look at Splatoon and look what Nintendo does with new IP, and they can get they can get wacky. So I don't know. Hopefully, it's good, but that's why it's a it's an interesting news story. And also, um, I don't really want to go into the Marty O'Donnell thing. <laughs> yeah. People have been tweeting at me like wanting to dive into it as like a former attorney or whatever. Um, I mean, I can hit on it briefly, but it's 
it's kind of cut and dry. It's like, this, this guy won. It's like, well, there was a contract. There was a breach of contract case, and the court decided that Marty's contract was breached, and he's entitled to money. Like, that's all it is. There's no... This isn't Game well, of Thrones. The juicy details uh, yeah. are the stuff that no that Bungie didn't want to come out of, that had to be revealed in the course of this lawsuit. But they're not that so. juicy of details. So okay, I th- paint I the picture. They are guys. a little paint juicy. It. Go ahead. Go ahead, Anthony. Okay, so um, the gist of it I, is that Marty O'Donnell, great, you know, composer, does the Halo or did the Halo music, and. Is probably one of the most recognizable names in terms of video game music working today or working when he was working. Uh, He's so, not as recognizable as Paul McCartney. Fair <laughs> enough, yeah. Hollow he, Paul he McCartney. Work, Hologram so Paul McCartney. He was, he was very you know, controlling. He had everything he wanted to do with Destiny. And then they were prepping some E3 trailers apparently. And Activision did not want to use his own Marty O'Donnell's music. And that kind of rubbed him the wrong way. I... I don't know if they ended up not using his music, but in essence, that kind of soured his experience. There were reports that he was very disengaged or unengaged when he was coming into work, and so that eventually led to his firing. He it was a very ugly situation because he just took to Twitter, like is the norm nowadays, and said, "I was fired. I shouldn't have been fired. I'm, you know, I'm gonna sue." He sued the the court you know, ruled in his favor. And so then documents came out and revealed this situation about him getting fired. And then as well as some other stuff about destiny, that's somewhat interesting, but yeah, that's the, the meat of the story is that Activision didn't want to let this guy use his music. And then he was basically, well, I don't want to work for you guys anymore. Well, also the story that you wrote on game rant, Anthony, about how basically it also revealed that destiny was, massively changed very not very far before it was released it was a yeah. it was a big title shift of, uh, of of at least story content before destiny came out yes uh, the uh the other part that kind of broke off of that was the lawsuit revealed that they were originally planning to release it in 2013 then i think they decided to overhaul the story first and then they moved it to march 2014 that wasn't working because of the Marty O'Donnell thing, so then it came out in September like it did. And the whole crux of the delays was that they were reworking the story, and one of the biggest criticism, criticisms about Destiny is that it feels like somebody gutted the story out or the story was you know, tweaked at the last minute or somebody did something, and that's why playing the game, it feels like there is no story. So, I don't know, maybe... so. Uh... Yeah, that that's all really interesting, but it's also you can read into that to prove whatever point you want. Like, yeah, so they gutted sure. the story and that's why it's ruined and this all happened. Or imagine how bad the story was before someone said, Whoa, we gotta work on this story thing, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, I mean it can go I both ways. Fair. We don't have all the, the, the juicy gossip. And the other part is is very TMZ. It's like, you know, this here's an artist who wanted his music to be showcased at one of the larger showcases of this thing and he was a founder. Uh, or, you know, and had founding shares of this company and created these timeless scores. And then big publishers like, nah, dog, we got this. We're going to put in whatever they put in, you know? So it's just egos battling. I mean, yes, I get it. It's kind of interesting. But, man, let's spend some time with the Sony hack emails. You know, it's just the more you, you – that big people, big important people at big important companies – 
are are still little kids in a sandbox yelling at each other. <laughs> and maybe yeah. for me, I've seen enough of this that I didn't think it was all super juicy. And at the end of the day, too, I mean, go find the most boring, big litigation between two companies being angry about each other. Like this, yeah, this is what happens. And I don't think there's anything that brings down any company in this. It's like the game changed a whole bunch. Yeah, that's what games do before they come out, which is why. Games don't exist until you can buy them, right? Uh, and, and and people have egos. I don't know. Jeff, yeah. am I playing this down too much? No. No, I think you're right. I, I think that, that uh, you know, it is it is a little TMZ, and it, it is a little, like, juicy behind the curtain. We get to talk outside of school about, you know, these people being uh, angry at each other and s- sort of backstabby, you know? And, and there isn't really much here as far as insight into how companies work because yeah you know people get feathers get ruffled and then they get upset and then lawsuits happen like i i, I just think uh, it's interesting some of the more inside stuff that we learned about specific sales numbers for destiny which they never revealed but had to come out as part of their lawsuit yeah. that was kind of interesting um, cuz it sold real well guys <laughs> real well yeah um, and uh, you know and some of the sort of timeline of when things got changed and when release dates got changed uh, that that to me is is interesting just be just from a i'm interested in how games get made perspective but sure. you know I, I don't think that there's much here other than i mean whatever now, it's fine the case study i will read and I'm, i will take the harvard extension class on it or whatever whenever it happens is the rise and fall and change of the xbox one like don't, I'm not saying the console's bad, but like from conception to marketing to reveal to change, like I, that, I am fascinated by, like that business case, that case study of that. But some of this well, other you just, stuff, meh. you just uh, <laughs> you just ruined your own argument. It's not, it's not, it's not juiciness. It's just the the wrong kind of juicy for you. You just want different juicy. That's all you care about. Well, to some extent, yes, that's very true. And the other extent, <laughs> I think one is maybe I haven't seen before, and I think is interesting with. A, a huge shift in terms of a major piece of consumer product coming out and having a rebrand yeah. happening to it. And the other one is, I mean, I can almost definitely say at some point in Halo 5's development, someone had an idea for something they liked. It ended up not making it into the fin- what is going to be the finished product. And at some point, that person whose idea it was was sad about that. <laughs> right? I mean, that's every that, Uncharted 4. Sure. Pick a game. Right. That happens. Pick this that's podcast. Fair. I had so many good segments that Jeff just shoots down because he can't <laughs> sing dumb songs about them. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's too bad that the judge sided sided with me. Um, Do you have I anything? think it's. I think the thing I'm most upset about about this podcast is how you managed to make your story of the week two stories. Oh, you mean <laughs> that what you do every week? Yeah, that's my thing. <laughs> Somehow we stopped talking about Pikmin 4. Do you want to, Anthony, do you want to comment? Are you excited for Pikmin 4? Do you want to see Pikmin 4 on Wii U? What do you want Pikmin 4 to be? Um, I'm just going to abstain. I have no real investment in Pikmin 4, to be honest. Pikmin has never really appealed to me. Um, You know, I know there are people that really like it, and I'm excited for them. But, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, from I have the same opinion as Christian, as I, Nintendo is very close to completion, could mean anything you know nintendo was or nintendo was supposed to release a zelda this year so you know pikmin 4 being very close to completion means it could come out in 2017 and they can just say well it was close (laughs) miyamoto says i've been working on that sequel that you guys have been wanting oh my god zelda oh no 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 pikmin you guys are talking about (laughs) pikmin right yeah uh yeah um 
Yeah, Pikmin's interesting. I, last week, I don't know if you got, you guys, uh, Christian, I, in the extra bit that I recorded for the for the show last week, I talked about a game I saw at PAX called Oklos, which is basically Pikmin done with pixel art, but instead of controlling little adorable creatures in a garden, you're controlling an angry mob in ancient Greece, and your angry mob runs around and just beats the crap out of things and destroys buildings and breaks stuff. That's the Pikmin I want. <laughs> it was so fun. Well, I thought was Overlord so was also a well-done yeah. Pikmin clone back then. I think there's a new back one coming out, too. But, yeah. Interesting. Um, I mean, I guess you guys have mentioned any of the stuff that I would pick as Story of the Week already. Uh, but I do want to bring up this idea that Ubisoft is creating a theme park in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, Ubisoft Land, I guess it's going to be called. <laughs> you I don't play. know. I just made that up. You, you play. play. That's actually pretty good. That is pretty good. Um, it's actually the the setting for the next Assassin's Creed. <laughs> they like actually had to build a place. Um, what do you guys think? Do you want to go to Kuala Lumpur and play uh, Just Dance and Rabbids and Assassin's Creed and uh, Watch Dogs game in real life? That's kind of cool, right, Anthony? What do you think? Uh, I mean, it, saying that it's coming out in twenty, like knowing it's coming out in twenty twenty, I feel like they're gonna invest in franchises that may not. You know, Assassin's Creed is is hanging on by a thread right now, and you know, Just Dance is popular with with casual people, and the Rabbids, okay, but I don't. It's it seems like they're investing in the properties that may not be their their cat. You know, we could be thinking about Division Two, and we could be thinking about whatever uh, Rainbow Six Siege Two, or or we may have moved past that stuff depending on how their annual or somewhat annual franchises go so i don't it's not like harry potter where it's a condensed thing you know harry potter land exists the books exist the movies exist you go see it assassin's creed i think has a has more of an ebb and flow just kind of you know video game franchises are in and then sometimes they're out uh it seems like they're doubling down and malaysia is a weird seems like a weird choice i i can only it's where imagine. money hangs out. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the Assassin's Creed movie is going to make a killing in Malaysia. <laughs> yeah. Is my assumption. Well, it's but. interesting. I don't. I don't know of any other theme park. Maybe you guys can tell me one. I don't know of any other theme park that's built around so many what would theoretically be M-rated things. Like you yeah. know, like are they going to have Tom Clancy Land where you do Tom Clancy stuff? I mean, I guess, I guess there's always been theme park rides based on Terminator, and that's kind of. Adulty. I don't know. I just feel like it seems an odd. I guess Just Dance and the Raving Rabbids are not are you know all ages accessible, but there's a lot of very M-rated franchises in the Ubisoft catalog. So I don't know. What do you think, Christian? I hope it's successful for them. Uh, I would not want to get into the theme park business. It seems like a very thin margin one, unless you're you know Disney Six Flags, not everywhere anymore uh but i hope it's successful for them and i hope it's great and people like it it is not something that i would want to do as a business but i obviously don't have the same numbers that they do i think licensing these characters or rides to a universal studios or a six flags or something like that like tom clancy's splinter cell the escape and you start out in a tunnel. it's like a roller coaster right and you start out in a tunnel and then the green light goes and then it shoots you out or something <laughs> like that i think that could be cool i think there's room for branded content but developing your own theme park whoo Good. Ooh, that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, 
Yeah, I guess. I, I, it's interesting how people, when, when Nintendo says they're thinking of a theme park, everybody's like, yeah! When Ubisoft is like, you're not Nintendo! You but, mean one is I mean, a storied franchise that people grew up loving yeah. and continue to love today, and the other one is releases broken games and then promises they won't be broken next time, and then they <laughs> patch in uh, DLC problems and then they show the same trailers for three E3s in a row? I could see a difference in wanting a theme park from one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Oh, man. You know what you would want to have, though, if you went to one of these theme parks, guys? A clean shave, wouldn't you? You wouldn't want to go to one of these theme parks with a hairy face. Well, that's why we get to thank one of our our first sponsor, Harry's. Harry's is going to help you out. If you're traveling the world, if you're going to Malaysia and you want to look your best, or if you're just sitting at home listening to this show and you also want to look your best and you want to not be a hairy slob, Harry's is your is your friend, or just have a very manicured, cleanly cut looking awesome facial hair. Harry's fixes all the problems that shaving products have. That is, they're hard to get, they're annoying, they're expensive, they're not really very well crafted. You never know what kind of quality you're going to get, and you have to go to the stupid store and ask the stupid guy to open the stupid cabinet with the stupid keys, and you're waiting around, and you don't want to do that, and ugh, I'll, I'll just grow my beard. I don't even want to shave anymore. Ah, but Harry's makes it easy. You can stay home. You go to harrys.com. You just order a really nice shaving kit, shaving package. It shows up at your door. They're superior quality products. They have their own blade factory in Germany. They craft some of the world's highest quality blades. They've been doing so for nearly a century. These guys went and got this factory. And they cut out the middleman to give you an amazing shave at a fraction of the price of drugstore brands. Their starter kit's only 15 bucks, and that gets you a razor, three blades, and your choice of hairy shaving cream or foaming shave gel. I like the gel. The gel on my face. Uh, so uh, you can choose either one. Check them out. And as an added bonus, because you listen to DLC, we're going to give you five bucks off your first purchase. Oh, man, all you got to do is put in the promo code DLC. Then you get five bucks off. That means you can you get an entire month's worth of shaving for only ten bucks. And shipping is always free. It's so much easier not to have to get out of your house. It shows up when you need it. You don't have to worry about, oh my gosh, I got another one. Ugh. Just just click, click, click. Use that promo code. Get your five bucks off. Harry's.com. Promo code DLC. Check it out. They are great. Christian and I both have used Harry's. We like it. It's fantastic. It shows up at your house. It looks like an Apple product. Uh, you don't have to get the Apple TV. Just get the Harry's. <laughs> same feeling. Uh, all right, guys. Let's uh, move on now to, to, to the part I've been excited to talk about, and that is the playlist. Ooh, what you playing this week? You tell us. Ooh, what you playing this week? You tell us on the playlist. This is the part of the show where we talk about what we've been playing. Oh my gosh, Metal Gear Solid Five! You guys, Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, that's been on uh, all of our playlists. Um, why don't you kick us off, Anthony? Metal Gear Solid Five. Metal Gear Good Solid Five. Good game or the greatest game? It is not the greatest game, but it is a pretty, pretty fantastic game. I will say that when I started to play it, uh, I was very overwhelmed. Uh, Once you get past, there's a little prologue that is the most insane thing, and I know Christian's going to go on a whole rant about it, so I'll I'll leave that to him. But you you get out into this open world, and there is a lot to do. Uh, It is 
unlike any other Metal Gear Solid game, it is far less linear. There, there's a lot to tackle. Um, but once you start really investing yourself in the systems, if you have the time, I think it is really, really excellent, and I could see myself spending 100-plus hours playing this game. I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's uh it is I think this game is kind of a miracle. Like it it shouldn't be. It it's kind of impossible that this game is. Uh why, I, why I is find that? it I find it so improbable. Okay. Um that a game designer who has created a very specific kind of game for a long, long time, who comes from an era of games of a very specific kind, who comes from a nation uh, that makes games of a very specific kind, uh, makes this game, it, it is as good as it is, it is as big as it is, and it is as different and as daring as it is, as fresh a take on its own franchise and on a genre that is very tried and true. And uh, it's, it's wholly remarkable to me uh, that this is what is going to be a massive success this year. I'm sure it's going to sell a bajillion copies. Uh, there's nothing else in any other medium like this game. <laughs> Video games are unique in that they deliver this kind of experience. First of all, how bananas it is. Uh, you know, and we'll, you'll talk about that, I'm sure. But, um, and, and it, it is. It is. It's bizarre and weird and Japanese and insane and all those things, uh, which, you know, you either can like or not like or sort of take with a grain of salt. But the systems of the game, the inner workings of the, the infiltrations of the, the, the solutions to the missions, the way all of the different items that you have, and the pure number of options at your disposal at any given time. You know, if, if interactive entertainment is about presenting choices to a player, this is... Uh, the grand buffet <laughs> this is the all you can eat las vegas buffet of video games where you are just allowed to play you are allowed to be infinitely creative in how you tackle an objective you are given uh, a series of objectives in your missions and just and, and no other real uh, instruction other than you have so many options at your disposal you really get to be a maestro of the battlefield. And it is this bizarre mixture of the completely grounded and realistic and gritty and interesting and, and everything makes sense in the, in the world in a very physical way and stuff behaves like it's supposed to behave. And then just like whimsical, silly craziness that also shouldn't work. But somehow it pulls that all together and makes you feel amazing and powerful and also very vulnerable and uh at at risk and uh and you have to have your wits about you and you can screw things up very easily and you you know there's it, it is all things at all times and i i kind of think that's impossible but it the game pulls it off somehow so i agree with almost everything you said but i would go back and say that Kojima has been doing this since the Master or Nintendo or wherever the first Metal Gear was, and then the Nintendo Metal Gear, and then talk about reinventing a franchise and, and dropping it on the PlayStation 1 with Metal Gear Solid, totally reworked sure. what that game was. Metal Gear Solid 2 was a huge, 
you know, middle finger to what Metal Gear Solid 1 was and what players expected from it. I think to some extent now it's, I don't know if it's Weezer Pinkerton level, but when it came out, it was like, this game's awful. And now I think a lot of people have rightfully, I would argue, turned on that game and, and see it for, I mean, it's not the George Lucas ring theory, uh, Star Wars <laughs> critique saying this is pure genius, but then what Metal Gear Solid 3 did was was a pretty big change in how that series progressed in terms of, um, you know, the RPG elements to it, the customization with your camo, eating to stay alive, um, you know, breaking from the locked cameras, first seen in one and letting you, you know, navigate this world. And then Metal Gear Solid 4 was a little more closer to things we had seen before, but taking all of the things that had been learned from those games and blowing them up into this, at that point, impossible story to conclude that concluded... And then you've always seen them play with new systems, um, be it in Acid, which is a card game, but still exploring some of the themes and giving you options as a player to customize and tweak and build your deck, which I think, I know it's not a CCG, but a lot of Metal Gear Solid Five feels kind of like that to me in terms of you're customizing your loadout and then going into battle, and these are the cards that you have to play with until you mm-hmm. try to call in more reshuffle. And then what they did, what he did with Peace Walker, I mean... This game is, I feel like, and I love this game, so I'm not trying to sell it short, but it, it's Peace Walker fully realized. So maybe that why, to me, it doesn't seem like this is insane. What is this? It's this grand game that is an expansion or built upon all of these things that you saw, these pieces, the, the breadcrumbs you followed back to Hansel and Gretel's home to now make this thing that can be realized. And while it can be this huge open world game, it can also be very confined where you have all of these options, but once you load in, you're playing two rooms of Metal Gear Solid 1 if you want to. You know, if you want to play it that way and you stealth down and you crouch and you have this one contained environment where you need to solve this one problem and hide this one body in a closet and then take out a guy. Um, So I I love the game. I don't know if I see it as quite improbable. I think what I almost see as the amazing thing of it coming together is that it came out pretty much on schedule. (laughs) Because I know we had... Um, uh, what was the prequel called? Whatever it is, uh, Ground Zeroes. Ground Zeroes. And then that was announced. It was like, oh, Wolf, how big of a stopgap is this going to be for five? But after they announced the release date for five, the game came out. It's relatively stable. I know they had some server issues with some of the online stuff, um, but it seems like a pretty complete finished vision. Um, my biggest critique for the game: no story spoilers at all. I'm, I don't even think I'm super far enough in it. I almost, you know, played for 400 hours, so I'm just scratching the surface. Uh, but it's like it's this weird timeline thing where like if all of this craziness existed in this time in this game like the u.s government and metal gear solid one should have just been like hey snake by the way everything we know isn't real physics don't exist uh einstein (laughs) had it all wrong (laughs) but in that game you're like what this guy can read my mind the government should be like yeah a snake yeah, they can do a lot more than that. <laughs> that's your biggest critique? I think really? so. The game's great. That's, I mean, that's uh, not, I, I think that's, you sort of have to, like, take all of that with a... Yeah. Oh, I think the, 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 the biggest problem I have with the game, actually, I think there's two. How cute one, that puppy is? One is is the, <laughs> it, it's a, it's a, this, the first one is kind of a minor gripe, but it's when you get different buddies besides the horse, and you don't really want to send down a car having to run like around mountains becomes very tedious, especially like when you're just trying to grind out, you know, side ops or stuff like that. 
Um, I'm so used to... Wait, did you just say that grinding is tedious from a guy who loves Destiny? Oh, well, I mean, I agree that Destiny (laughs) grinding is tedious. I just, I mean, I have like 45 hours into Metal Gear. I've been grinding for A+, (laughs) A plus level guys, like, for, for days now. But it just, the, you know, you run up to a mountain and your snake or your big boss, and you feel like, okay... I should be able to just, like, climb up somehow. <laughs> like, having me run all the way around to get to the base feels a little, I don't know, restrictive. Especially for a game that has so much freedom going on. But it's a small, it's a small gripe. Well, My, yeah, go, go Jeff. I was going to say, I have actual gripes, guys. Well, I think he has a big one. I, think I have a, I have a big go one. The, I, I think the AI in the game is really bad. Because um, you're just, you can... You're wearing like a quote unquote sneaking suit, and there's guys walking around, and you can just walk around on concrete. I was walking around, or no, crawling, I guess. I was army crawling on the ground in the middle of the day on like gray concrete, wearing a dark black sneaking suit, and no, but not a single person cared. You can get up real close to them, you can grab the guy. It, I don't what know. Part of sneaking suit, do you not understand? <laughs> It's just visually for me, I'm seeing this guy stick out like a sore thumb. And he's he's not only that, he's crawling around on the ground with a dog who's walking right behind him. And nobody's just like, well, that seems strange. Well, this is the game where the ultimate hiding place is a cardboard box. That's, I mean, that's fair. It's the, just, the, the, I don't Metal know. Gear Solid has always been this weird mashup of super realistic, gritty, ultra real, hyper real with completely silly just bonkers and and goofy really i mean there's there's such goofiness in this game and really the whole series so i I kind of don't don't fault it for that because that's just that's just the the weird tone of this universe is but do you think ai fits into that as the weird i I feel like this game actually has better ai than some of the others have where i feel like guys are spot i'm playing the way i would play peace walker i played four and i'm like oh they saw me oh wait of course they saw me i'm 20 feet away from them walking right at him (laughs) whereas other games you could just be like for a while i would i i would you know i would be like really i'm these guys will notice me if i'm you know crawling but their buddy can be attached to a balloon and scream as he shot up 300 feet into the air and they don't notice that but then you know a couple of times they're like hey i I think our friend just flew away in a balloon. I, I better alert people. So I was like, well, at least that happens. Um, yeah, that's true. My, you know, my gripes are, uh, I think, a little more uh, intense than your guys. You know, I, this game is far and away very much Game of the Year material. It is a, a true accomplishment. I, I am so impressed by the the sort of clockwork inner working gears of how all the mechanisms in the game work together. And, and it just seems so improbable that you could pull this off and it work could work so well and, and feel so you have, you, you really feel like more than any other game I've ever played in my life. I think I really feel like I can do anything that a person in that situation should be able to do. Like I can, maneuver my on-screen avatar in ways in so many different ways at any given time i have so many things that i can do uh and and that that just the the fact that you can map that to a controller and make it make sense and work it's just incredible to me but 
you know, I think this game would be almost perfect if I just, just, just give me a freaking quick, quick save. Just get, let me just quick save. Come on. Because what you're telling me with all of your incredibly intricate systems and all of the different loadouts and all of the different items that I can research and create and get and do, all of that stuff, you're giving me this message of be creative, try things, experiment, do stuff. And yet, if I'm three-quarters of the way into a mission and, and the S hits the F, I, I, I'm not having fun anymore. I'm not – I'm – I don't – you know, the checkpointing system doesn't work well enough. I'm never really sure where a checkpoint is. Checkpoints are too few and far between. I'm not encouraged to try something off the wall or experimental because I don't want to ruin all the great progress that I've made. I've done so much work to be meticulous in my taking down of this situation or, or you know, I've got three or four guys – bagged and tagged and I'm happy about it and I feel like I've done a great job and my plan has worked exactly as I wanted it to. I'm not going to try something dumb because I don't want to mess that up. If I could just quick save, limit them if you must. Give me only three in an entire, entire mission or whatever. Just let me get to a position where I'm like, oh, okay, I feel good about the last few steps that I've made. Can I just pause it right here and just be good and be able to come back to this point? Because... I want to be having more fun. I want to feel less stressed and just enjoy the systems more. But I can't because there's no safety. And I know that maybe that's what they want, but it doesn't make me feel any better. So that's one gripe. What do you guys feel about that? I totally agree. I I think uh, I think you were talking with Justin McElroy about it. Uh, there's a one there's one mission on yes. a timer, and you have to do a bunch of stuff. And if anywhere in there uh, you you do something wrong or you fail or you're not happy with your decision and you want to start over from a checkpoint, you start from the beginning. Um, and I, I think that's super frustrating. And I think there are there are a couple missions later on where I where I failed at a point and was was put substantially further back than I expected to be. And especially like after I had done significant things like captured specific people or grabbed resources that I was excited about. I was boosting my mother base. And then I went back to that area and the randomization of how guys skills are allocated was different. Um, and that was super like deflating. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I totally agree about the check. Yeah. The, the tweet that you're referencing is, is a tweet that Justin, I retweeted of Justin's and he and I went back and forth. It, him, Justin McElroy from uh, Polygon uh, tweeted, uh, do everything perfectly for 10 minutes and then make a si single mistake and have to do it all over again is not slash will never be fun for me. And I could not agree more with that. I, but that, that to me is not – that's not – you know, this sort of roguelikeification of games that we're, we're undergoing right now is really interesting and exciting in a lot of ways. But that aspect of it isn't fun. It just isn't fun. But there's a there's a balance there, right? Well, and I think Metal Gear has done that before. You know, I don't think they're sure. looking to roguelikes for, for that inspiration. And it's the balance of, and I, I don't know quite what the answer is. I think maybe a few more checkpoints. I don't think quick saving is the option because then you just get the step save, step save, step save, step save. And you don't get the thrill of pulling it off or getting into a harrowing situation and all of a sudden going guns blazing and you drop a grenade and you shoot two dudes and then you run and roll and you call your horse and you ride away and you're just like, yes! Um, and, you, and it's like, 
rank E. Well, who cares, though? That's <laughs> fine. You know, it, the, that gamification, for whatever reason, that's never bothered me. Like in that, this game where Devil May Cry, I'm never like, oh, didn't get a triple S. Got it. It's like, hey, whoo, what an experience I just had. What an amazing yeah. moment I just had. And I think if it's, you, there's no punishment for failing, you don't get into those stressful situations. I mean, that I feel like is what the Souls games are based on, is that stress of, oh man, this is going to go bad at any minute, and then when you pull it off, it's that sweet, sweet, sweet uh, sweetness. <laughs> um, and, and I think this game, yeah. again, only being 4,000 hours in, you know, is walking that line pretty well, but I'm also a fan of Metal Gear Solid games, and so maybe I'm looking at this with a little more rose-colored glasses of, you know, there are instances in other games where I was like, you son of a gun. <laughs> um I don't know. I, I I know you've always been a fan of the quick save, Jeff, but I, I do. I feel like and, and it, it's uh, it's our own problem because they give me the tool. So then as a gamer, I exploit it and use it wrongly. But I do feel like it ruins it, it ruins games. And I like the art of the stress of art, the art of the stressful situation, I guess. I've never I don't think I've ever been playing a game that let me save anywhere and it made it less stressful or i mean it, it to the point that i didn't have fun like i i like the ability to push the limits and do things and experiment and not feel like if i do something wrong i'm going to have to replay the last hour you know and and in metal gear that's happened to me a couple times already where you know i got to the very end of the mission or i got to a point where I did something and oh man, it all went be- it went south. I died or I did something completely wrong, and I have to go back and replay at least an hour of gaming. That to me is when I turn the television off and I go do something else. I can't do that right away, and I'm I don't think I'm alone in that feeling. There are some people that will jump right back in and do that again, but for me, that means I'm going to go play a game of Heroes of the Storm while I wait. Because I, I I can't put myself through that, and I also, if especially if I'm really happy with the sequence of how I started taking down that mission, and for me that's what Metal Gear Solid Five is all about is like planning and execution, and it's so fun when you're sort of stepping through your plan and you're getting guys, and, and sometimes you have to improvise little moments, and it's not what you plan, but you still do it. All that stuff is awesome, but I'm not going to restart a mission. And then do the same plan and not feel like it's tedious and mind-numbing and frustrating. Because, you know, I will probably try to go, okay, well, I'll go around here and there'll be three dudes over there. And I'm going to deal with them the same way because it worked last time. If I just – if it just let me get to a point – like I said, limit the saves. If you want to make it – like make make me earn saves or buy saves or whatever it is that will make it more special. But let me decide that I've gotten to a point – after which I do not want to repeat anything. You know, just give me that luxury. I understand what you're saying with the Dark Souls reference and everything. And a lot of people on Twitter have said the same to me. I just don't think it's analogous. But. I'd be curious, yeah, what listeners have to say. Because I, I agree with you. This isn't the perfect situation. But I also don't think a quick save anytime is the perfect situation. And somewhere out there, probably an indie game that will come out and be my game of the year next year <laughs> we'll have this elegant or is already out and someone's like i can't believe you didn't talk about hollow shadows they do it perfectly and if hollow shadows exists one that's a pretty dope name um i like thinking that it's hall 
O apostrophe shadows. <laughs> that sounds like hollow uh, shadows. <laughs> that sounds like an also a very great game that could be the subtitle for Luigi's Mansion's Luigi's Mansion Three. Um, yeah, I don't know what the answer. I mean, Anthony, do you have the elegant situation? Unless you say it's buying Disney Infinity characters, which I can also <laughs> talk about, but I don't think that's I, uh, the fix. I don't have the easy answer, but I'm I'm more in Jeff's camp than I am in yours because. Well, good, uh, I think it I only have room for so many people in my base anyway. <laughs> it it comes down to how I have become so obsessed with the mother base, which I think is is a is a really great idea. The the way they structure it and getting guys with ranks ranks and specific skills, and that levels up that specific department on your mother base, and you can develop new weapons. And so you're always looking at, okay, well, I want this gun. Okay, well, I need this you know facility to be rank this and so i'm looking for so going through a mission and and scanning all around and seeing a guy who's like a plus in research and development and getting all excited and going i'm gonna go fulton that guy i'm gonna go take out this whole base just for that guy (laughs) i'm gonna take them all out okay i got that guy then going to do the rest of the mission and having something go bad and you die and you need to checkpoint and you go back and you're you realize that that a plus guy not only do you not have him He's not there. He's ranked B or something in that skill this time. It's super frustrating to me because I'm so obsessed with that mother base. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I think that's a great point, and I and it brings me back to another thing I'd like to push back on you again uh, with Christian, uh, and that is, you know, I think you you are clearly a, a much bigger Metal Gear Solid fan overall than I am, and you and you have a much deeper knowledge of the series. I never played Peace Walkers and a lot of the other games you mentioned. I played my fair share, but. Um, I I really do feel like Metal Gear Solid 4 is a game I liked a lot. I gave it a great review on the Totally Rad Show when it came out. And uh, I felt like it was a very standard progression in that series, but with just sort of banana storytelling. And, and really, storytelling was at the heart of what that game was about. Like, it was about conveying this this Metal Gear story. I think this game is about these new mechanics and new structures and new new systems that you've never seen in the series before that are really there's not just one or two that are revolutionary like the the risk reward that is so elegant and beautiful with regard to capturing guys and bringing back them back to mother base like that has never existed before and that pure carrot on a stick of like of hey a non-violent solution to this or a non-lethal solution to this is so much more valuable to you as a player like it doesn't just say hey you can go through the whole game and not kill anybody it says hey if you don't kill some people you actually get stuff for it and the stuff is amazing and good and the risk of you know of having to go in and get specific guys and yank them out and all of that stuff plays against each other it, itself really so well and creates this this desire of to play in a stealthy way and in a nonviolent way completely naturally completely in a non-artificial way it, it's so perfect and that's just one of the things you know all of the base mechanics that Anthony is referencing are completely new and work completely super well and the resource system and all of that stuff, all the open world elements, all of the like going on a dropship and creating, having to create 
places where your dropship can land and there's certain things and all of the ways that you can affect the bases so that you can make those things easier for yourself and the things you can do to affect their internal systems of being able to communicate with one another. So much of this game is so new and so different and just, it seems to me, a quantum leap forward in the stealth genre. That's why I think it it's all sound, feels so impossible. So yeah, you just haven't played the games. Um, and oh, I, is that so? I mean, Peace Walker had a mother base and you're protecting your, um, you know, doing the same thing with the Folsom system and recruiting them back and managing them and building out weapons for you that you can then take into the other thing. Well, now I feel dumb. And doing side ops. And they tried to do the same thing in Metal Gear Solid 4. That's why I think it's... it's I'm not trying to discount this game. I, I, I love this game. Um, having only spent, you know, quarter of a year playing it. Um, you can't... For me, it's just like picking up those breadcrumbs. And Metal Gear Solid 4, what I think Kojima was trying to do is they had the psych meter... And it, it, it by non-lethal attacks, it was like this basically, I'm trying to remember it without looking it up, but it was the idea of rewarding lethal versus non-lethal and how it affects you as a character. And and, right. and I believe in Metal Gear Solid 4, that was the, it was a psyche meter. And, and that was kind of the influence. And then also in terms of the weapons and creating, you had the guy, um, uh, Drebin, Dre- Drellin, Drebin? You had like the it was like the mercenary like life is a war kind of guy and you, you spent those right. points and you met with him in his tank and you could collect weapons in the world that then you could increase by bringing back to him but you had to take down like I think the NPC um, vehicles again this is all I don't know I'm probably getting some of this wrong but I'm getting the thesis correct and then that plus Peace Walker and what Peace Walker did with with uh, Mother Base was an extension on portable ops which was the first game where you kind of were collecting people and building your army and in portable ops, you could even do it. Maybe Peace Worker had this too, but like based on Wi-Fi points. So you'd be out like on the bus, like turning on your Wi-Fi to paying to get this Starbucks on 52nd Street's Wi-Fi because it will have an A-plus mechanic <laughs> or something like that. And so all of these things have been done, but most of the the crazier, maybe more experimental stuff was done on um, the handhelds and then brought over to these bigger games. But Again, I love wow. that you're well, loving them because I think it makes mm-hmm. this game so much richer and deeper than um, you know what Splinter Cell evolved to, which I also think are great games. But it, you see where these two series have diverged in terms of scope and scale, and what Metal Gear Solid Five does is is pretty incredible. I mean, it's not Rocket League, but it's pretty incredible. <laughs> Let me ask you guys: are, Do you guys like the episode nature, the the structure of the game? Because I'm pretty much sick of seeing uh, <laughs> yes. credits I, in this game <laughs> i i actually to be honest i miss the you know they were long-winded and everything but i do miss cutscenes and with with different i don't know there's there's something just about the story of metal gear solid 5 that i think you hit on it pretty strongly jeff in, in that the the selling point of this game is the the mechanics and the gameplay and I think the story does take a back seat. Some of the things that I really like about the past Metal Gear games aren't really here. There isn't a, a diverse cast of crazy characters. There isn't like this this setup at the beginning of like here's here's your kind of like villain group of of weird people that you're going to be fighting. Like you know you have the Quiet from uh, Snake Eater and all of the, all of those type of characters. There isn't. There isn't that, and there also isn't a lot of... I mean, one of the weirdest things is you have you hire Kiefer Sutherland, and Big Boss barely talks in the yeah. game. Uh, 
I don't. Uh, I'm, it's called I'm you so hired you, Kiefer, but you had a budget for how much you could use Kiefer. I, I <laughs> guess it just it seems so. Like I thought that the whole point of hiring was we were going to get a meteor story that they were going to, you know, that the acting is great in what little cutscenes there are that I've seen. Um, Kiefer only works twenty four hours at a time, <laughs> but they're all in a row. That's that's fair. That's, but his, it just, that's his new rule. It just seems w- weird to me and. And the idea of, like, all the side missions, it also spaces out the stories themselves. So, I don't yeah. know. I, I would have preferred, I don't know, just so, some way of, of making the story a little bit more cohesive and feeling grander. It feels like the bold vision of the game was in in its gameplay. And I, I do kind of miss, like, having Snake talk with somebody for, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. And, you know, on their little, like, little, you know phone watches thing whatever i i miss that because it really is like you're you're hearing something in your ear you get dropped off well you have your cassette are you listening to your cassette tapes while you hike yeah, around that mountain well, that is true I, you listen to the cassette tapes but the, i mean the, that's still not like i don't know that's still side stuff for the most part though the episodes are like the beginning narration and then you get a little like rundown at the end and sometimes you get a cutscene so to be just now full, full on into Metal Gear Defense Force. <laughs> okay. Um, one, I kind of understand that as and putting my words into Kojima's mouth, right? As an as an artist that's creating something, and for years and years and years, all people seem to talk smack about is your long winded cutscenes and roll their eyes and be like, "Oh, we get it." I can understand wanting a break from that. Two, from a realist perspective, I think it could be difficult to have had this game not to doubt what Kojima is capable of. He's a very creative mind, um, if nothing else. Um, The story four really puts a bow on that crazy story in a way that I think no one thought it could be done. And now to go back and mine sides, what is this? This whole game is a side story, right? We know what happens. You, you know, largely where this goes Not that they can't rewrite the future. I wouldn't be surprised if Metal Gear Solid six actually takes place on that little planet where the two Spocks meet each other. And JJ Abrams, I'd be like, yep, of course they were there. (laughs) Um, You know, they can do whatever they want with this franchise, but to come up with this super compelling story, I, I don't think that would necessarily work because so much of that story has been told what they need to tell is the story of building this thing that becomes this thing that you know is this thing that you then go and fight later. I don't know. To me, it makes sense. I, sure. uh, I agree with Anthony, though. I think it's yeah. really easy to lose the threads of this story in this particular game. It just because it's like, oh, oh, right. Yeah, we were talking about that stuff. I was too busy, you know, doing all this fun, cool stuff and infiltrating these and doing these awesome missions and learning about the missions. Oh, yeah, I forgot. There's also all this other Michigas going on. So, borrowing from Kotaku, I am not done with the game, um, but I don't know if you guys are. Should people play this game, yes or no? Yeah, I think it's... I think it's... This is... And again, I didn't play Peace Walker, so maybe I am uh, gobsmacked uh, disproportionately because it feels like such a leap forward from 4 for me. Uh, and really form from any kind of open world game that I've ever played. I mean, th- this is what I think Batman always wanted to be. You know, you th- this it's it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. It's it's an intense experience, and it's a it's a game that I think I could, uh, if I was given a chance, like just a few things I could change. If I could, if I had had mod tools to just change, Konami a few has an things, opening. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I I think it could be even better. You know, there's it doesn't. Ha- it, 
I don't think I don't know. There there are flaws. There are flaws, uh, and it's weird in a lot of ways, and it's sort of off putting in a lot of weird ways too, and and uh, you know rough around the edges in some interesting ways. But what it does well, it does better than I think anybody has ever done it, and it does it more intricately and more. It makes it. It has an amazing amount of complexity that feels simple and straightforward, and that is a very hard thing to pull off, in my opinion. So right. yes, play it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I I agree with you. I think uh, if you give it a chance, uh, it, when you when you start and you get past the prologue, you're going to see a lot of stuff. You're going to be introduced to a lot of systems, and you're going to think, well. When I played the other Metal Gears or a lot of the mainline Metal Gears, it was I pick it up, I progress in the story, and then I put it down. This, you really have to invest time into a lot of the peripheral elements. But if you do, I think it's and – it, and that really scratches an itch. I think it will scratch so much of an itch your skin will fall off because, <laughs> like, I, I go to sleep at night and I think, like, okay, my research and development is 28. <laughs> if I just get one more A-plus guy tomorrow, it's going to be 29, and I can get that sniper rifle that shoots trank gun, trank darts. It's, it is ruling my life. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, that's, that's the best recommendation I can give. Yeah. yeah. It's an extraordinary game. I think it's an extraordinary game. It, it, do I like playing it more than The Witcher? I don't. I, I don't the, the feeling of playing huh. it is not more fun for me. I just am so enamored by the creativity that the game allows and the improvisation the game allows and the number of options that I'm always presented with at, at all times. I'm just so blown away by that that I, I admire the game more than, more than I feel it's fun, but I'm, I'm also having fun. So. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Play it. Or wait for it to uh, go on you guys, <laughs> Yeah. You guys also have other games on your playlist, right? Anthony, what, what else is hanging out on your playlist? Uh, I play Disney Infinity 3.0. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I've been in the Disney Infinity ecosystem since the beginning. I'm, uh, it, it's one of the few games that those, the Disney Infinity, the Lego games, those are one of the few games that I can play with my girlfriend that – um, with your what? With my fiance. So. There it is. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, Congratulations. You. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those those games that we can get together, sit on a couch. It's not too intangible for her in terms of like new characters. She recognizes all these people, so she can you know she's excited to play as whoever. Um, and then the mechanics aren't you know extremely involved. It's not too challenging for her. So I've, I've been really into them. And I think the first game, it, it had a lot of missteps. The second game got the mission systems a little better. And then this third game, I think they really kind of doubled down on outsourcing all their gameplay. Like they're it's star Wars based. So their lightsaber combat was done by Ninja theory. And I think they did a good job making a lightsaber combat game. That's family friendly, but still feels uh, intuitive and and looks cool and works well and they have a, a lot of things going on. I think it's the best version of Disney Infinity so far. Uh, it's probably going to be the best selling as well because of Star Wars. Uh, it does have some some of those you know gross. You you buy the main game and you're not getting you know the main package comes with the prequel trilogy, but you have to spend like an extra thirty. Uh, it might be forty dollars to get the original trilogy play set 
So you're you're just going to keep spending more money, and that that's always felt gross to me. But it is what it is, and uh, I do enjoy the games though, and I like this one the most. Yeah, yeah, it's cool that that new combat system is sort of uh, retrofitted into any character that picks up a sword shaped object and fights yeah. with it. That's pretty cool. Uh, Christian, you've also been playing this one. Yeah, so I haven't owned the others. Um, I own this game, the the big PlayStation Four Star Wars bundle that came with all the, all the things, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I think there's a lot of value in this game, and even just if you have the prequel uh, playset and the toy box, what you can do in the toy box is pretty robust. I would say the toy box in one was pretty good. The toy box in two, I feel like, was also a step back. Um, the toy box in here, I, I mean. Anthony, you might know more than me, but I mean, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface with like farming and uh, what I can do and and what's happening over here in the races. And also an an outside team brought in to handle a lot of the racing, the people that did uh, Sonic's All-Star or whatever it's called. Um, And and there's really, really, really a lot of game, even within the main prequel trilogy game mode where there are missions, even in that hub, there are then side missions where you're in a hub world and you can go and explore and do these little things that are just to, you know, increase level up your character. Um, I, I don't know. I think the game is fun. I feel like it's, it's, it's kind of like not Lego dimension. I know that's their toys to life game, um, which is also probably going to be a huge money pit um, for me. Um, <laughs> but this game, it's like the combat and the gameplay. It feels very Lego esque, but I, I would say, more enjoyable than Lego in terms of it's a, it's a little bit of a system to it and I can link some combos and launch guys into the air and then use a force power on them and pull them down and get that rewarding feeling without worrying about getting a triple S rank the way DMC does. Um, but also it's the family friendliness of Lego. So, it, you know, my kids can sit and watch while I play it. I think the art direction, whoever came up with the art style for Disney Infinity 1.0, I think has fit the Marvel universe and fits these Star Wars characters so well where it's a little bit Clone Warsy, a little bit uh what's the new one Rebels, like all of the characters I think look incredible. Um and the actual models of the toys that are the figures themselves I think are are nicely sculpted pieces as well. And um I mean I know it's tough like Metal Gear's out. People Witcher is still a huge game. This is a huge game, but if you're looking for something to play like this, I find the flying and driving to be rewarding. The combat is really fun. The characters are fun to play as and, and unique even between the Jedi. They have different skill trees, so it's not just the exact same thing. The thing that bothers me, and I didn't know this, not owning any of the others, is like, oh, this is really fun. Maybe I will just go pick up you know, the Avengers playset from 2.0, but yeah. that playset's not compatible with 3.0 yep. with the disc. I would need to own the 2.0 disc. So if I got the playset, I could put it on my portal and get pieces that I could then use in the toy box mode, but I can't go play those. It's part of the gross. It's part of the gross. It's called 3.0, but it should be called... Like 3.0 implies to me the building upon, <laughs> and this is not... Yeah, this right. is a, a hard stop. I can put in captain america on this portal and play with him in toy box mode but i cannot play any of his current adventures and and that stinks because i would go and buy those things and play them but i'm not going to go buy the 2.0 disc to do that that's my big knock and i'll give i'll give them to you (laughs) that's how that should work man i feel like 
That's, uh, you know, we, we talked about last week at PAX, Christian, we did a story on the show about how they're doing um, Guild Wars. Yeah. And how Guild Wars, they're mm-hmm. saying, hey, we have a new expansion coming out. We're going to charge you money for that expansion. But everything else that has come out for Guild Wars 2 is free. That's how Star Wars, that's how this Disney Infinity stuff should be. It's like, hey, we'll still sell you the physical toys in the store, but everything f- from, you know, back before 3.0 came out st- works with 3.0. Yeah, that's how it yeah, should, I don't even that think it needs to be. Work. Yeah, it doesn't need to be free. I will still buy the the mission pack or whatever, but I should be able to not. I shouldn't have to buy the 2.0 disc to then put right. in my yeah. console or that's dumb. Boot down into it, and of course they're releasing a Marvel playset. Um, you know, missions that you'll be able to use all those Marvel characters with that's compatible with 3.0. But somewhere, and I don't know if it's coding or Y2K bug. <laughs> you know, I don't understand, <laughs> but somewhere, I think this is a coding problem. I feel like this is a cash grab gone wrong, where instead of me buying those playsets, I'm not buying them. Whereas if I could just play, even though some of them were bad, um, the, the Spider-Man missions, and without needing the 2.0 disc, I would have spent that $20. Yeah. So I feel, like it's, I feel like it's a misstep. But that being said, really enjoy the game. Uh, I think it's family-friendly. The combat feels good. Um, it's... It, seems expensive perhaps to get into but in these toys only because it is well i was gonna say yeah it's it can be expensive i would say in the genre though i think it has a lot of value yeah anything else on your playlists fellas have we talked about gears remastered no we haven't uh that's a good one i love that game and it's beautiful and i'll be brief on it uh i I was i didn't talk about it at pax so jeff you and i were both defenders of the order and I yes. will still defend the order, but holy moly, for Gears 1 being a 10-year-old game, Anthony, I think you and I texted about this, or maybe we were online at the time, I don't remember how we spoke about it, but Wowza does yeah. Gears of 1 with the tweaks that they kind of added or you know whatever Gears they do. It. Gears, Gears of 1. Gears of 1. <laughs> Gears of War 1. Uh, it's It's got that pop-and-shoot gameplay done well, and it shows what the problems were in the order. The order, I still love that experience, but... The gameplay pales in comparison to what Gears did 10, 12 years ago. Um, It's still fun to play. Well, I don't think the order was trying to be Gears, but that's a different conversation. Um, (laughs) Cool. Yeah, that's cool. It's weird that that, you know, there's so much coming out already. It's it's just barely September, and we've got – I would hazard to say that 2015 might go down as one of gaming's greatest years ever. I think that uh, there are so many, so many legit contenders for Game of the Year already, and traditionally the games that come out in November are the ones that everybody is, you know, the the year has saved up for November. And I feel like Metal Gear Solid, The Witcher, there, there are so there are so many, and we have Fallout on the horizon. We got Halo, Tomb Halo. Raider. It's, there's so yes, there are so many games already that I think are banner year games um yeah that's and anthony you're excited because next week is uh, more destiny oh you have no idea metal gear i need <laughs> to finish it before tuesday because otherwise you'll never finish it ever otherwise i will never finish it destiny the taken king is going to consume my life we need your poor dreams now you're going to bed dreaming of your your <laughs> your mother base what are you going to do your poor dreams are going to have a of a battle over which game has space. Probably, yeah. I'll, maybe they'll combine into one, and it'll be weird because it'll be like space aliens and 
We've weird. Yeah. We've had Destiny lovers on here before, and Anthony, you, you've certainly been on before. But after Taken King has come out and you've digested it, and the scene has digested it, if you know our listeners want it, I, you, sir, are are my go to authority for all things Destiny. So I'm really excited to see how you digest and consume that content, and you know the tips and tweaks you would make to it to to further sure. improve it. It's a uh, it's fascinating. That's that's an, man. That's another case study that I would be interested in in terms of taking community feedback versus sticking to your original vision. That's the part of Destiny that interests yeah. me, not the composer scuffle. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I play as much Destiny in a week as probably Jeff plays Heroes of the Storm in a in a week, maybe even more. Challenge accepted, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very excited. I uh, I know a lot of people were soured on Destiny and have kind of jumped off the train, and some people have gotten back on because they're excited. But I was always on, and I'm very excited. <laughs> well, tomorrow is uh, Rexar comes out for Heroes of the Storm, so I'm, hey, I'm fair enough. I'm a mess. Uh, okay, guys. Um, yeah, we uh, we still can carve out a little bit of tabletop time. I think, although we're going a little long, but that's okay. Let's do it. Tabletop time. Right now, right now. Anthony, you haven't been playing any board games yeah, around lately, have you? I played the Hollywood Game Night board game last night, but that's uh, ah. you know, that's all right. Terrible. I mean, <laughs> if I'm a, f- uh, me and my fiance are a fan of the show, and so the the board game. You know, you you play a lot of you play along with the games on TV, and sure. you think, oh, I, I could do that, and then you get to try it, and it's fun. Uh, if you're a fan, that's of great. The show. I, I I don't mean to d- disparage it because I certainly any game that gets people playing, you know, in person, sort of uh, communally tabletopy experiences, yeah. I'm I'm in favor of. That's all. It's all gateway for me. Um, I uh, I just uh, had a trip this weekend to uh, Portland to visit friends, and I brought. A couple of games with me uh, on the trip. The first is a game that I uh, I talked about I think a couple of weeks ago because it was a big big hit at uh, Origins, and um, and that game is called Code Names. I got a I grabbed a copy of it at PAX. I think I mentioned that last week too. I got real lucky, and thanks to a couple of people, including my friend Reza, who got in line real early and and uh, got me a copy of Code Names. It's hard to get at this point. Uh, because it's got a lot of buzz around it, and there's not a lot. It's a Vlad Chavadal uh, Vlad, game is the name of the designer, Vlada Chavadal. Uh, and uh, this is a, <laughs> it's a fantastic game. Uh, it was a huge hit with my friends, and they're not all you know huge board gamers, but I brought it. Um, it's a great party game, plays a bunch of people. As long as you can make two teams, you can play it, so you can have any number of, of teams. And it's kind of like Password, where you're trying to get people to guess words, but the, the twist here is that... You have a giant grid, a five-by-five five grid of 25 different words uh, that are all laid out on uh, little cards. And they're simple words, car, hat, tree, fire, whatever. Uh, and um, the people who are giving the clues, one representative of each team is giving the clues to the rest of the team. And those two people are able to look at a, a, a key of – a color-coded key of the grid – that represents which team owns which words on the board. So you're trying to get your team to guess only your words and none of the other team's words. And there's also one word on the board 
that is the assassin. And if you if your team guesses the assassin word, game over, you lose. So you definitely don't want them to guess that word. And the only way you can win is to try to get your team to guess words, all the words that are your words, your team's words, before the other teams. And so you're trying to do it in as few steps as possible, which means you want to give a clue, and your clue can only be one word. You want to give a clue that matches as many words on the board as you possibly can. So this is an exercise in in linking words together that uh, with only one clue word so that your team can guess multiple words on one turn. So you'll find yourself uh, trying to <laughs> give a one-word clue that apl- applies to more than one word on the, on the board. So you'll say something like um, shoe three, which means three words on the board apply to the word shoe. And then your team talks it over and tries to figure out which three words on the board uh, you're trying to refer to. It's really clever. It's a thinky game. It's not an uproarious wild party game as some party games are. But it is really fun and really clever, and it works your brain. And we had a blast. We played it with kids. We played it with adults. Uh, everybody wanted to play it more and more. It, it was a huge hit. People dug it. Um, and that game is called Code Names. I'm not sure you can get it yet, but uh, it should be on your radar because it's a it's a really fun game. Um, before I talk about the second game on my list, it's time to thank our second sponsor, and that is Squarespace. Oh, Squarespace. Always there when you need them. Squarespace is the perfect platform if you want to build any kind of online presence. If you need a website, a blog, even an online store, every Squarespace site comes with commerce built in. So if you have, if you have any reason to sell anything, there's, a, there's a, uh, a really cool widget. You can just plug it in and you all of a sudden have a storefront. Squarespace makes it easy to create beautiful websites, really nice-looking online presences easily because everything is what you see is what you get. It's all drag-and-drop. They have cool templates, but then you can make them your own. I've uh, been using Squarespace for a long time. My own website, jeffcanada.com, was built on Squarespace, housed on Squarespace. Uh, It's reliable. It doesn't go down. Some of the most respected brands in the world use it. Millions of people use it. You can't bring a Squarespace site down. It's just not possible. Squarespace is robust and awesome. And the best part is it's inexpensive. Plans start at only $8 a month, and you don't even need a credit card to sign up. You can sign up for free, completely free. There's no way for them to charge you. You can try out their service, make sure it's for you. And then if you do decide to buy, all you have to do is use our promo code. Go to squarespace.com DLC. Use our promo code, which is Jeff sent me, and you'll get 10% off. That's pretty cool. So try it. Squarespace.com slash DLC. If you have any reason to have a website or a blog, uh, if you sign up for a year, you know, you also get a free domain name. So you can have uh, it all set up so easily. Squarespace.com slash DLC and promo code Jeff sent me. Almost forgot to do that. Thank you, Christian, for reminding me. Uh, So the second game on my list uh, is a game that I brought specifically because I knew my friends in Portland are big fans of The Princess Bride. And this is a Princess Bride-themed game. It's called Princess Bride Battle of Wits. And it's built all around the uh, battle with Vizic. I think his name's Vizic, right? The uh, Wallace Shawn character. Yeah, Inconceivable! Yeah, yeah. Yes. His, his name's Vizic, right? Uh, I think so. I think so. Something like that. Uh, 
That's the one where he clearly can't drink the one, the goblet in front of him, and he clearly can't drink the goblet in front of you, and you never start a land war in Asia. Um, this is a game all about trying to uh, poison goblets and drink the one that's not poisoned. And you can you select what character you are, and you're you know all the characters from the movie are present: Buttercup and the Six Fingered Man and everybody. And you and you have your own set of cards that have numbers on them, and the numbers. Uh, or tell you how powerful the cards are. Uh, and some cards are poison and some cards are wine. And you start, and there's uh, as many goblets on the table as there are players. And you start putting those numbered cards down, face down, either on top of the goblet to show that you put it inside the goblet or below the goblet as a bid to make that goblet yours. And every player is going to drink one of the goblets at the end. But the player with the highest number below each goblet wins that goblet. So you're either poisoning or putting wine in goblets, and you can poison other people's goblets and try to, you know, try to uh, fake people out by putting a lot of cards down face down in front of one goblet and then putting cards down into another goblet. And nobody quite knows what everybody's doing, but as each round goes by, one row of cards gets revealed, so you get a little bit of information about what is happening in each goblet. Uh, and then by the end, everybody has to drink a goblet. You find out who lives and who dies. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty clever. It it really uses the theme well. It's the, exactly what you would want out of a Princess Bride game. That's called Battle of Wits. Uh, I, I found it to be pretty simple, and it's not. You know, there there isn't. Um, I, I don't think it it hooked me quite as much as I would have liked. And the mechanic of bidding for a goblet. And putting uh, poison in a goblet, it, it feels a lot like, well, at a certain point, I know this goblet is going to be completely poisoned. Nothing I can do. There are a couple of really fun specialty cards that are in the theme of the movie as well where you can swap goblets at the last minute or have immunity to some certain poisons because you've been drinking Iocane powder for your entire life. It's kind of clever. Uh, not, not a, I think, uh, one of my favorite games, but certainly fun for people that like that movie as much as we did. Um, so again, it's called Princess Bride: Battle of Wits. Cool. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of good ones. It was a lot of fun, especially Code Names. Man, I highly recommend that one. I think it's it's so fun. My friends liked it so much that I actually left the game with them and said they could have it as a thank you for letting us stay at their place. So now I'm going to have to rebuy Code Names. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's it's really fun. Um, all right, we're going to have our parting gift coming up in a second, but that's going to do it. Uh, for this episode. Anthony, thank you so much for hanging out with us at a late night and getting this done. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, where can people follow your stuff this week? You can follow me. Uh, all my game-related news stuff is all at GameRant.com. Uh, as Christian mentioned at the top of the show, we have a new redesign. Uh, site looks pretty nice, so hopefully you you enjoy it and you stick around. And then you can follow me personally. Uh, I'm at AntTormina, A-N-T-A-O-R-M-I-N-A. And then the last thing I want to plug is I'm starting it up again. I, I started a podcast last TV season. I'm going to do it again. Uh, it's called the DC Watchtower. Christian was actually on an episode. We talk about all the DC comics TV series. So Arrow, Gotham, Flash, shows like that. Um, it's pretty Supergirl fun. Supergirl this year? Uh, yeah. We're adding Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow this year uh, cool. in, in place of Constantine. And uh, we might we might dump Arrow because Arrow's bad, but. <laughs> 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 Fine words. Fair enough. 
Yeah. How about you, Christian? What about uh, where, where can people follow? Oh, so that that show is called say again, say it again. Uh, the DC Watchtower. Uh, DC Watchtower. Yeah, just search dcwatchtower.com. Cool. Uh, what do you got going on this week, Christian? Uh, Dean Del Rey and I do the show Bitchin' every week on all things comedy. It's a live call-in show, 2.30 p.m. Pacific, more more weeks than not. Um, we've had a few game calls, but I'd love to have more. So if you're listening to this and you miss you know calls or chatting, basically Dean and I talk about whatever we talk about. And then when people call in, the conversation becomes yours. <laughs> and you know we'll take it wherever you want to go. Um, the best way to uh, you know see that is just uh, follow me on Twitter at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R, or Dean, who is just Dean Del Rey, um, and then live shows. I don't know. I'm I'm literally just back in L.A., so <laughs> I don't know. I did a show tonight, and it was awesome. And um, thanks. I have an album still out. I don't know. It's everything's great, Jeff. Everything's great. How are you? I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. I'm doing great. Um, you can always listen to stuff. I've got uh, movie reviews at the slash film. Um, that's slashfilmcast.com. Uh, we just did a review of uh, the end of the tour, which it was a really, really cool review. I, I'm really happy with where the conversation went with that one. So check that out. It's pretty interesting. Uh, and we got more coming on that. Uh, also, uh, We Have Concerns, my comedy show with Anthony Carboni. We have um, wehaveconcerns.com. We got episodes every Monday, Wednesday, Friday there. Also, Anthony and I did some videos while we were at PAX covering some video game stuff. So you can check that out on my YouTube channel. That's Kanata Jeff, youtube.com slash Kanata Jeff with two N's and one T. Um, all right, guys, let's get to the parting gift, shall we? Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Anthony, do you have a uh, something to keep people busy during their their downtime between episodes of DLC? I sure do. Uh, come comes out tomorrow. Actually, I ge- I guess I'm kind of suggesting something without having read it, but uh, I have a feeling it's going to be good. Uh, it's the next Jack Reacher novel. It comes out tomorrow. It's called Make Me. Uh, Jack Reacher. Some people might have been familiar with him based on the Tom Cruise movie, but there's a whole series of books. Latest ones coming out the eighth, so Tuesday. Probably when you're listening to this, it's out. Uh, I'm going to read it. I I hope you read it. I, <laughs> I I feel weird vouching for it, but you know I like all the other ones, so I'm excited for it. Maybe people give it a chance. Maybe they didn't know Jack Reacher is a series of books; they just know the Tom Cruise movie. Cool. How about you, Christian? Uh, I mentioned it earlier. Narcos on Netflix. You you do have to read, but um, uh, I have not finished the series, the season. But it's really well done. Another hit for Netflix. I know it already got picked up for series two um also it it has ended its run and ended it as beautifully as it began it and the first two seasons are on uh, amazon instant watch um but hannibal is is a piece of art and a beautiful show lost before its time um i imagine season three will be finding its way to amazon instant watch as well um but if you want to see some beautifully shot scenes watch those if you haven't and narcos is um another also beautifully shot um, show as well so two shows to watch but really just go grind to your experience guys in uh either destiny or metal gear you don't have time for tv what are we talking about yeah who's got time for tv i'm trying to get through these massive games before <laughs> more massive games come out <laughs> ah! yeah uh, and then we got mario maker next week also which is uh oh oh i don't know infinite 
<laughs> Take that, um, Disney. <laughs> the nice people at Sphero sent me the BB-8 Sphero. Uh, so uh, take this, you know, grain of salt because I did get it sent to me for free. But it's pretty cool. You know, I was trying to stay as unsullied as I could before Star Wars came out. But you can't get away from BB-8. BB-8 will find you, as he did me. BB-8 showed up at my house. Uh, this is a remote-controlled robot that is from Star Wars, The Force Awakens. And it rolls around, and you control it with your phone, and it's adorable and uh, amazing. It's kind of – it's kind of it really, truly does seem amazing because uh, it rolls around, and the head stays on top. Like, how does that work? How does it do that? Uh, it's cool. It's, it's, uh, it's not cheap. Um, but if you can get them to send it to you for free, I highly recommend it. I don't think I would have bought this thing, but it's pretty darn cool, uh, especially if you have a pet. You can scare the crap out of your pet by rolling it around. Um, but it's 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 pretty high-end. It comes in this really cool packaging, and it looks like, oh, my gosh, I actually own a droid now. Um, so pretty cool, BB-8. All right, dudes, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Um, we have to thank Anthony Tarmina. We have to thank uh, Christian Spicer, all the folks at Five by Five for working with us on this Labor Day edition. Uh, sorry we weren't able to stream live. We usually love to have that live audience to contribute in the chat room. Uh, we will be back next week, as I said, 11 a.m. Pacific time on Monday to, to hear you in the chat room. I hope you hang out with us then. And thank you for downloading and listening. You know, you can always re- recommend the show to your friends. That helps us out innumerably. We really, really appreciate that. Also, if you have a second, why not give us a nice little rating on the iTunes? We appreciate those five-star ratings on iTunes. That helps the show as well. Hey, we'll see you next week. This is a very fun time. We're getting right into the heart of the big release season. I'm excited. I know Christian is excited. We can't wait. See you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.